Welcome to the Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. Hello, hello, wonderful, wonderful, curious people. I have a very special person with me today. She has become more special even recently, although we have known each other for four years now, I think, if my four-ish years. <laughs> Over the last couple of months, actually, I've had the chance to work with her professionally, and it's been incredible and life-changing. Today on The Ramble is Carmen Gan, and she is an internationally trained breathwork and human connection specialist and brings over 15 years experience holding space for others to deeply transform and evolve. She holds a degree in social work and is a certified yoga teacher and advanced breathwork facilitator with a special focus in nervous system regulation and breath repatterning, which is what we worked on a little bit together. And working with Carmen, she'll invite you into the experience, to experience, excuse me, the luxury of your soul, redefining your experience of being human. She draws on the science and spirit of connection to activate the potentiality within you. Carmen guides revolutionary leaders through breathwork, facilitator training, and personal mentorship. Welcome to the Ramble, Carmen. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to land with you. Yeah. Speaking of landing, welcome home. Yes. Yes. Is this still home? Uh, I, and I say that because you've traveled so much and lived for extended periods of time in other places. Where where feels like home? Yeah, good question. It's actually been a, a an idea that surfaced recently in, in myself. Where is home? And I mean, geographically in this moment, West Coast Canada... Squamish is feels very much uh, like the the place of resonance of home for for us right now, and I'm an eclectic soul. I I love to to work with the the people, spaces, and places around me to to activate different elements of my being, and so. The, the beauty and the richness of the West Coast is, is part of it. And then the beauty of the tropics is this other dimension of myself as well. So it's part-time home. Mm-hmm. That yeah. rem- reminds me, I just pull out my phone here for a second, of this spiritual singer. I guess that's what you would call her. And she talks about that. Let's see if I have, um, I can't remember her name. Oh, Dea Dova? Yes, yeah, yeah, and she she does these things where I guess she goes to like a sacred spot, like a n- n- natural spot, and she freestyles to an extent. What she's channeling and processing is in like the energy and the healing of that space. That's kind of reminds me of what you're you're talking about, where you tap into the environment. Yeah, yeah, her music is magic. It's it definitely it it moves the soul. And yeah, absolutely. I think that as humans, we are in relationship with everything around us. And so as we're in relationship with different things, we co-create different frequencies and, you know, vibrational resonances that those 
places that just like, wow, this feels like home or it's like, whoa, like I actually, I don't quite feel settled in this place. And so I feel like that's really been guiding me lately is where, where do I feel the resonance? And mm. I don't know that it, that's a static thing, at least for me, I think that that's always going to be an evolution. Yeah. And I think it's different than, than liking a place necessarily. Mm. Like it, it is a feeling. It is something there's an intangible, I guess, on the surface that you can maybe tap into to make it more tangible. That's like why somebody feels called to one place and somebody else doesn't feel called to that same place if they've both gone there. Mm-hmm. And your place in the West Coast in Squamish, I mean, that's a place that many people feel called to these days. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it, it, it covers like it just there's so much of bioavailability here on these lands i mean mm-hmm. the mountains the trees the ocean the rivers the lakes mm-hmm. and the people you know the the wildlife it's just it is so rich i'm a prairie born soul and so the contrast of <laughs> the abundance of, of even just resources on the west coast is just wild you know like yes yeah. we we get a lot of rain and there was a reframe in my in my mind a few years ago of like but like I get to live in a rainforest Mm -hmm. like that is of course it's going to rain and but that comes with this remarkable privilege of of living amongst a rainforest and so she's like wow I've tried to I've tried to make that reprogram happen and it's starting to take effect you know because when you've been through 36 west coast winters or almost 36 west coast winters where it's very dark and it's very and it's very rainy and you don't you're not thinking of it for what it is like this is these are like signals to rest and the air is highly oxygenated from or i don't know if the word is oxygenated but that negative ions from the from the rain but you're not appreciating any of that because you're just miserable And I was with, I'm, I'm totally with you on, on thinking about it differently and its, its healing properties. But interestingly enough, the first time when I was hitchhiking across Canada, when I was like 19, the first time I stepped foot in the prairies, and I say stepped foot because I was, I was walking at the time, not in a ride. And all of a sudden I realized like the expansiveness and it was like a, an energetic lift. It was like all of a sudden, all the energy that was in me just like, dispersed as far as the land goes and that's where you were born so that has its own powers wow (laughs) yeah i feel i i feel you as you as you speak to that and that's such a beautiful uh way to experience those lands yeah yeah Yeah, where where are you where are you from the prairies i was born in regina saskatchewan right i have been there yeah. And so a fun fact about Regina is that all trees in the area have been planted. And so, you know, there's, there's just such unique energetics about even things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the contrast of living. And I mean, you speak to, you know, I, I, I talked to about the privilege of, of living in a rainforest from a person who leaves the majority of the winters and 
goes to the tropics. So uh, yeah, it's a little bit more palatable at that point when you're in the shoulder season for a, a few weeks at a time. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. It's like, you know, it's the same thing of the, the, the deep prairie winters when we go back to visit family and it's just like, oh, wow, it's so sparkly and magical and everything. And they're like, we've been in minus 40 for six months. It's like, oh, right. Yeah. So I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I want to obviously we're going to talk a lot about breath work and our even some of our experiences together. But before that, how did you step into this routine of consistently going to the tropics and making prioritizing, I guess, travel in your life as a Regina girl from, <laughs> from the middle of Canada? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it was, it was something that was coded within me. I really believe that. I mean, as a, as far back as I can remember, I grew up just dreaming of, of working with dolphins and spending mm. my days you know, with marine life, and I hadn't even seen the ocean at that point, it was just something annoying. And so I feel like there's, you know, in our within our soul blueprint, there's these codes that are woven within our being that as we step into our version of deepening our journey, we start to activate. And I feel like in my own journey, there, there are these certain crossroads where I get to that, it's harder to not follow the 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 whisper or the call or the nudge to an, an, into a new space or a place versus staying in the familiarity of routine you know like i i've i feel uncomfortable with the comfortable mm-hmm. a lot of the time and i mean that that speaks to a whole quality of my nervous system you know in in a different which would be a totally different tangent, but just really finding the beauty and and the, just the curiosity around the unknown. And so it was, I, at the time that I first, like my first big overseas travel, it was really led by looking for the signs and asking for the signs and, and having them show up in really wild ways and being like, okay, well, you know, we can make meaning out of anything and we can assign meaning to anything that happens in our life. And, but for me at the time, it was like, wow, like, I can't ignore these signs. They're telling me to go. I must go. And it was at that point, like, you know, like, yes, it, it, it may be scary to step into the unknown, but the alternative for me at that time felt scarier of like living out a life where, I don't know, I just, I didn't take those steps to see what where they may lead me well i, I shouldn't say it's a, a, a an intrinsic versus a learned skill when you are able to listen to the science and actually hear them in and we we grew up we're similar ages we grew up in a in a where the culture was transitioning to this more openness to digital nomadship and being more of a global culture and society versus of one, we were still on the fringe of, well, you need to get an education and you need to have job security and you need to pay into Canadian pension plan or your 401k if you're in the States. And and so there, there's in a sense, like almost a rebellion where you have to go against the grain of society to step into how you chose to do it. So what was it 
was it just always in you or, or was it your parents or was it a book you read that like, allowed you to tap into the science and allowed you to have the willingness to follow your curiosity? Yeah, thank you. It, it, it's a good question. And as you were speaking, I, I, I was smiling to myself because if you were to ask my parents, there's probably a large degree of the rebellious <laughs> nature that you speak of that they would say uh, fueled my journey because absolutely where I grew up, it was very much about the responsible decisions and really being able to formulate what was next and you know just having a a, a life path that offered a, you know a degree of our, our perceived sense of security and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things and so what was it for me I, I feel it it was this quest to find and this actually brings it back to what we first started speaking about, this quest to find where I felt at home. Mm. I never really felt at home where I grew up. And even in my friend groups and things like that growing up, I I was friends with a lot of people and a part of a, you know, like loosely part of a lot of groups and things like that. But I, I, I didn't have like my people that it was like, okay, like this is where I fit or like my place, like this is where I fit. And I saw that all around me and I was just like, wow, like that must be such a cool feeling. Mm-hmm. This sense, this deep sense of belonging, this deep sense of knowing of like, this is my place. These are my people. And, and so I was, it was curious about, okay, well, if I don't feel it here, are there spaces and places where I may feel it? And I feel like that just started, I mean, I've always been a curious soul. I've, I asked a ton of questions. I was a why child uh, and it drove, I'm sure my parents would also say to a certain degree, it drove them nuts of, of you know, being like, okay, but tell me about this or tell me about that. or. And so I feel like there was this inner quest that was sparked of where it is that I could find and and for a long time I did look outside of myself for that like okay well there must be a a space a place a group of people a particular career you know like something tangible that I can identify with to say like okay like this is this defines me and this is you know the the I don't know the the framework through which I can fully express and show up as myself. And I mean, as a lot of journeys offer, the the more questions I asked, the more questions I had. And, and so it was very much a, a just a, a deep knowing, like I remember my first trip overseas and I was driving to get family groceries and I had my mom's credit card for the groceries at the time. And I was like, if this traffic light turns yellow, it means I'm meant to go to Thailand. And I was just like, you know, throwing things out there. And then sure enough, I drove under it and it turned yellow. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm meant to go. <laughs> Take mom's credit card right to the airport. And <laughs> I, I, to the, to the travel agency at the university, yeah. I booked a ticket. And then I called her and I was like, don't be mad, but I owe you a little bit of money. (laughs) And and then I went and I feel like that 
was just, I, I don't know where that came from. I don't know. Like I said, it, there's something that was, that was woven, that was imprinted within me. And I feel like I ended up making a lot of decisions like that. And I'm grateful that I did because as I got older, I feel like the decisions became more clouded around pressure and expectation that I put on myself. And so that, like you had said, accessing that level of intuition or that willingness to just follow the whispers got pretty clouded for a while. That's, that's so cool. I think yours may be the best I've ever heard, but I feel like everybody has to, everyone who's traveled has a, has a spontaneous Thailand story of some kind. Yeah, right. It's a rite of passage. It is. Yeah. But that one, that's so good. And, and, you know, this idea that, that we have like the ability to tap into spontaneity is one of the greatest gifts we can have in our life and, and actually act and enjoy the thing of which that doesn't mean to not have been scared or like, Oh gosh, what did I just do? But to still proceed forward. And the older I get, the less spontaneous I get. And that's like something I'm trying to undo, you know, and maybe I'll do the yellow light thing, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, Jana, if this light turns, <laughs> don't yeah. worry. Carmen told me this is how we do it. Yeah. It's foolproof. <laughs> I mean, it worked a hundred percent of the time it works, you know, it's just like, Oh man. So where did, where did the social work, your history, in social work fall into this and how did it transition into breath work and yoga, uh, being a yoga instructor, uh, if instructor is a fair way of uh, describing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like up until the point of the, the yellow light to Thailand incident, I actually was in school for marine biology. And so I had followed that, that dream of, of working in the oceans with the dolphins and travel opened up my heart and it opened up my mind. It opened up my being to the world that's out there and the, just the beauty and the diversity and the richness of humans in general. And it was just like, wow, like, for a curious soul working with humans, I mean, you're tapping into the well of the infinite, you know, at that point, it's just like, it's so fascinating. And, and so I feel like that's actually where, you know, as I came back from my time spent overseas, there was a shift in my heart that it was just like, wow, like I can, I can really see the power and potency in working within human relationships and human connection. And, and so it, it shifted. I had also personally, as, as I feel like a lot of transitions are sparked by as personal experiences that rocked me to my core a little bit and that, that exposed me to elements of the world that I hadn't yet interacted with. And so I was just like, wow, like there is, there's so much for me to learn and grow here. And so that journey through social work It was a lot of dealing with learning about exploring survival. And at that point in my life, I guess I I didn't really realize this. And this is actually just a dot that I'm connecting right now in this moment is that that was probably a huge resonance to where I was in my own journey of learning 
the the fundamentals of survival. I mean, and to varying degrees, and you know, but just within how my system was was wired and operating at that point, of being in in a state of of hyperarousal, having a very aware and sensitive system that, you know, it was firing at everything. Uh, and, and so being in those spaces and places of, of crisis intervention and of supporting basic survival needs and those kinds of things was, there was something obviously that was fulfilling for my, my soul at that point. And as I spent time within the systems that, you know, I, I was working with at the time either through government agencies or non-government not-for-profits. I mean, I, I worked through so many different versions of agencies that were set up to support people. What I noticed is that I was just like, there's a gap between what we say we want to do and what's actually happening. <laughs> like, are we are we Absolutely. actually really happy helping people here, or are we perpetuating problems? Are we, you know, are there things that are going on that we're, we're just not, we're missing the mark. And so that was where I started to get curious about how could we go beyond conventional structures? How could we go beyond, you know, mainstream systems and structures to, to actually genuinely support sustainable shift within a, mm-hmm. a person, within their environment, within their family systems, within their you know, their, their family lines and things like that. And so that's where I started to get curious about uh, alternative supports through, you know, breath and yoga and looking at things from a more holistic approach of Mm -hmm. like, it's not just a person and it's not just a person within an environment, but there's a multidimensional being that is interfacing and interacting with a dynamic environment. And so how can we create these, these points of contact between the two that actually start to create change and shift in that, in those foundational relationships. And so that was it. That was the, the start of it. And so I started to, in, in, while I was working, studying, you know, traditional lineages of yoga and movement therapies and somatic experiencing and those kinds of things to say, okay, well, th- there's got to be more <laughs> to this, mm-hmm. you know, even mm-hmm. things like talk therapy, there's beauty in talk therapy and it can be so valuable in so many ways. And I really noticed the limitations of it. It was like, wow, like these people are sharing their stories and by continuing to share their stories, they're reliving their stories. And so they're, I'm, I'm witnessing these loops and these cycles and these patterns that are showing up. And what we're offering them actually isn't any sort of pattern interruption. It's riding the, the cycle and the, the wave and the pattern through its natural course until there's another rupture. There's got to be a different way. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, there's so much I to unpack there, and and it's all a great uh, progression into the into the breathwork specifically. You know, and I, I'm really I'm proud of. You know, we're in Canada right now. I'm proud of Canada's attempt that our tax dollars go to a social system, but I have lost numerous family members to the system where once they were in, it only got worse from the second they went in. And that's not a criticism 
of the people they're trying to help. It's to your point, there's something, there's a crucial or multiple crucial pieces missing. And it reminds me of, you know, I have a, I have a friend, he's, he's, um, he's a spiritual healer, doctor of Chinese medicine, um, acupuncturist, and very successful entrepreneur by and large, who you know, we were talking about, for instance, during the, the pandemic, we were talking about there's when you get a cold. So in general, just push the pandemic aside. There's not just, it's not just necessarily one dimensional. I, I came in contact with a virus. I got sick. There's still potentially other things. Was I stressed? What was happening in my life? There's, there's a holistic approach to looking at, a, at an effect and trying to, to look at healing the whole thing. But by and large, because maybe it's just too complicated or complex or inconvenient, we don't really approach things that way. We approach things very much as a cause, like one cause to one result. Uh, X led to Y, forgetting all the other letters of the alphabet. And then this is where you talk about like, and then you just end up in these loop cycles and, and people just end up treating symptoms and they don't end up disrupting the patterns that are in them. And I noticed this for myself, which in the long version led me to, to sit down and work with you. Um, but previous to that, you know, I had done medicine ceremonies that had disrupted elements of the patterns, but I was still noticing something overactive in my nervous system and in my breathing pattern. And so before we get into that, you taught, you use the word survival a couple of times, and, and maybe you could just add some context as to what, when you say that, what, what is happening with the person when you say they're just trying to survive or there, there's, a, there, there's a survival thing inside the body and in, in the mind and stuff. Yeah. Well, and, you, and you've touched on a lot of really important points as well in terms of how our, our, our world by and large, and, and, you know, and, and it's probably because I exist in a, in a different, you know, space within it now um, for myself, but starting to see things shift and change. But this idea that we, we really look to, look at symptoms and we say, okay, if we can just manage these, then we'll be fine. And it's just like, oh, but what, what lies beneath that? And so I, when I speak to survival within the body, we are in a space of hyper arousal within our nervous system. And so the way that we, we actually want to see healthy oscillation between the branches of the nervous system. And so a lot of things in the personal development world or in treating symptomology and, and treating stress and overwhelm and those kinds of things that we see popping up more and more is that, well, we just need to be in a state of calm. We want to harness a relationship with relaxation. We want to you know, downgrade, uh, downshift the, the, the overall tone of our system. And while that is beautiful, when we look at optimal functioning, we actually want to see healthy oscillation between those branches, the sympathetic nervous system, which is our stress response, and the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest state. And so when we've got... A, a healthy and balanced system throughout the day, we will see that us move through those with 
ease. We, we, we will, our, our body will be such that it's activated and then it has its own little mini wave of integration and rest and re-resourcing. And then it has the capacity to be able to be activated and come back down so that we activated, don't get- Sorry to interrupt. Activated being like triggered, like somebody cut you off on the road and it pissed you off. You're activated. Is that what you mean? Yes, on the extreme end. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be that extreme. It can just be that the sympathetic system is online. If we think about it in its simplest form, and, and you know, we're, we're exploring today through the context of the breath primarily, is that our inhale is associated with our sympathetic mm. uh, nervous system. And so we've activated our, our, our system. We've, we've come online. And then the exhale is what's associated with our parasympathetic system. And so we've allowed that system mm. to, to shift up, you know, to, I lost the word, but not, to not simply just like in, in an inhale and an exhale. It, it activates the two branches. And so this is, yeah. this is where we want to actually, so we don't get stuck on either extreme. And I think this is also, you know, an illumination for how we, you know, by and large, li live and interact with the spectrum of human emotion and the spectrum of human experience is that we label one end as good and the other end as bad. And so we want to, you know, we tend towards one end and then we want to avoid the other. And again, in a balanced and harmonious system is that we, we know that all of it is fleeting. All of it is energy that's moving. And so we just oscillate along this. And so survival is when we are in a perpetual state of that heightened hyperarousal, hypervigilance, uh, an overactivated system that doesn't necessarily have a healthy and regular relationship with the complementary side of of that spectrum or or being able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system to give the system an opportunity to to relax and so that's where we start to see a system that gets burned out a system that's overwhelmed because it's always on it doesn't have the grace and the the space and the ability to to re-resource itself from a place of rest and so, even, so, so even though the the, you're exhaling, it's still, it, the system has not learned to utilize that to shut itself or to, to, to go into the rest. It's lost somewhere along the way that signal broke, that line of internal communication broke. Disrupted. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess broke would be the, the extreme end of things, but mm. if we look at it as the quality of it, along again I like to work along spectrums because mm -hmm. then we, we we see that you know there's there's variations of healthy there's variations of optimal there's variations of normal all of these sorts of things because we are unique beings we are unique systems and so uh, we would say that the quality of the exhale may be such that it doesn't allow the full engagement of that parasympathetic system mm -hmm. and so it may be firing slightly uh, and not enough to regenerate, not enough to, I don't know, regenerate and rejuvenate the system mm -hmm. are the words that are coming through, but really not enough to restabilize the system uh, when we are in those perpetual states of, of stress. Mm -hmm. So how did you step into 
I mean, this you have 15 years of experience in, in, in this, I guess maybe that's as a whole, but just a long time in international training. Like how did you step into breath work? And was there a moment where you realized that this was really where a great degree of your focus could be because you had some sort of aptitude for it, or it had had a very positive experience on you? Yeah, well, and it definitely stemmed from from personal exploration initially. I mean, as this curious teen who had an extremely active system, I was I began to interact with the Western medical system for support, and you know, was given certain labels, panic and anxiety disorders, and and things like that, and, and medication. And for me, that fell so short of actually helping. It, it, it again, worked with symptomology. Um, and as I later learned that it, it didn't stop those firings within my system. It just stopped my connection to feeling them. And so it was still going on below the surface. I just was disconnected from it. And so it created, mm-hmm. created this wild experience of disconnect. Uh, between you know myself and my body and and it was the some simple breath exercises at that time that was the the start of bringing me back to a relationship with my body and so it was very much a personal exploration and then as i was in the social work field and and seeing that like okay wow there, there's a whole element of, of bringing people into relationship with their body into relationship with this moment and and developing a sense of safety within their their own being that was really missing i started to to study and noticed in myself like when i was doing trainings and things like that like the difference that i would feel in my own body i was just like wow and what i would open up to in terms of not only would the the mental energy and my mental body start to to soften and shift, but it was just like, I, I felt better overall. And there was, you know, no, nothing elaborate or fancy to it other than experiencing it in the, the moment that I was in through my own body. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as, as I continued to explore, it was like, this is, there's just infinite depth here. And so it was like, you know, as we say, the deeper we go, the deeper we go. And so in my own journey and through transitional times was usually when it was like, okay, I'm ready for a new level. I'm ready for a new layer, a new exploration. And maybe that's a new practice. Maybe that's, you know, studying with a new teacher. Maybe that is whatever. And that one of those crossroads at one of those transitional times and points in my life was introduced and invited into a conscious connected breathwork experience. And I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> everything has led me to this point here and now. And as, as our, our life's journeys do. And there was this moment of this is the practice for me that brings it all together, that brings <laughs> it all home in terms of not having a, you know, uh, I can't think of a better word right now, but like an unbalanced focus on saying, okay, like we're going to focus specifically on the mind. We're going to focus specifically on the body. We're going to focus, you know, on, on one element. It wove those, for me, those four 
aspects of the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual body into one. And it was just like, wow. And to have that felt sense experience of shift and change in the moment of time that I was in, I was just like, this is it. I mean, this is, and this is a common I don't know, a benchmark thing that's shared in the breathwork world and in the marketing of it is that a single session is equivalent to a year's worth of talk therapy in terms of being able to reconcile patterns and and things within the body. And it was just like, I felt that. And I was just like, wow. And this is within us. I mean, this is this is great. I mean, we we in my own journey, it was like I was looking for spaces and places and and how to where I fit and where, and it was like, ah, of course, the irony of it. It's been (laughs) within me all along. And and I, you know, I've heard that in so many variations of that along. It's all within you. It's, you know, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it's like, I get it. And then I get it. Holy smokes. I felt it. So I know those are, those are such gifts, those moments. And even when we were working together in the very first session and we're just breathing, we were just breathing. It was nothing. In my thinking mind, there was nothing that you had told me to do that was a huge degree different than maybe something I had previously done. And then all of a sudden, and I don't, I can't even remember where in the session, how long, you know, we were going about two hours or something like that. Not at that point, but in total. And you said, just wiggle your jaw. So I wiggled my jaw and all of a sudden I started crying, (laughs) not, not weeping, but all of a sudden all this tears and this flush of emotion came out of me. And that's, you know, just when you said about a year's, it can be a year's worth of talk therapy in a single session. That was uh, whatever was pent up for however long all of a sudden had been let go of with the breath and then combined with that, like one additional action, just like wiggle your jaw. And it's not really a question, I guess, but what's interesting about breath work is there's, there's a scientific, very much a scientific component to it, but it's, it's rooted in spirituality. And it's like, it's kind of like the giant blind spot because it's always right. We're do it all day. Right. But then we, and then we're obviously told just, take a breath. Like it's an expression. So where's, this is where my attempt at a question is, where does just take a breath that, or, you know, steady breaths in, steady breaths out, the kind of things we're always told growing up, where does that end or be, where does, where does the depth of breath work go from there in terms of its different the different ways that we can in- interact with it, experience it, practice it. It's a very big question. So go on as long as you want, but does that, does that make some sense? For me? Yeah. Well, I think that what you're, what you've spoken to is that it breathwork is a term that means something different to everybody. And again, it comes to representing a spectrum of practices or experiences and so on one end, you've got it. It's these, these simple deep breathing 
practices or exercises or the sometimes very unhelpful prompts to just breathe, just take a breath. It's like, cool, if I could, I would. Yeah. And right Thanks. now I can't. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, file that in the category of extremely unhelpful in the moment. Yeah. And you know, as we develop a conscious relationship with our breath over time, we we have this intimate relationship with how we interact with our life force energy. And so in those moments when we need to take a breath, it feels and becomes more accessible for us. And so that's through the, you know, exploration along that spectrum to the other side of it, you know, I would say that we've got the simple deep breathing practices or or just simple awareness of our breath, like the fact that we, we are breathing and it is the only mechanism, the, you know, the only, the only automatic function within our system that that runs automatically and in a moment can be within our conscious awareness. And so we can shift and change it. And so it becomes this remarkably powerful in, you know, whether it's an intervention point or a, a, a point of, of coming in to shift our state. And then as we go along the spectrum, you know, we've got these beautiful yogic pranayama practices and, and working with breath control. And as we start to, evolve that concept into breath release, we start to explore into the realm of conscious connected. And even within that umbrella, there's a lot of different practices that exist from creating experiences and and working with a particular defined breath pattern and the ones that, you know, work more in the energy of, of repatterning or depatterning the system and allowing the system to come back to its its natural state of flow. Can I ask you a question right there? Yeah, for you sure. don't mind? Because this ties into one of our sessions together where in James Nestor's book, Breath, he talks about the ideal breath being five in, five out, five on the inhale, five on the exhale. And that may be you know, in the realm of true. But when I came to you, what, what had happened was I had been, I had never noticed my breath specifically. And then people had started to, in, in, a, in a kind of, I, I don't know if it was making fun of or, or what, what, but you're a shallow breather. Like you breathe really loud, dude. Like it's kind of like, it's kind of annoying. Like when you're standing near me and I can hear your breath. And when I brought that to you, I expected you to immediately be like, yeah, like, like that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but you, and maybe it was, there is, but the way you approached it was more from the standpoint of, well, what's normal? Like we're trying to find what's normal and natural for you and having shame about the, how audible your breath is, is not going to help no matter what. And that goes to, I guess that leads into when you mentioned things like repatterning, this isn't necessarily one size fits all like James Nestor's, which of course he is just simplifying it for his book, but five in five out, like there can be a unique pattern or breath experience um, for every person or, or no. That's kind of a question. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, and you've touched on something remarkably important, especially within this field, if we are looking at a relationship with the breath as an ally in repatterning our system is that we do all have a unique breath pattern and it is 
based on our unique lived experience. And so our internal landscape is this remarkably intelligent roadmap of our our life's journey so far. And so our experiences that we haven't necessarily had the capacity or the availability to process have been stored in our system. And they've created a, a different quality of, of in our tissues, a different density in our tissues, which then impact the availability of the flow of breath through our system. And so as we show up to begin a relationship or at any point that we're continuing a relationship with breath, you know, whether it's through breath work or through uh, other practices, is that we we really are are working with where we are in that moment. We are working with the quality and the state of our internal landscape at that moment. And so absolutely it is going to be unique and individual to the the living, breathing human that we're we are either working with or, or that we are personally are in that moment. And and we are dynamic as well. And so that's going to shift and change. I mean we even in what you spoke to, like the five count in, five count out is a beautiful breath that sparks um, heart coherence and and it impacts our harmonious communications of the systems of the body, our heart rate variability and things like that. And so much like when we look at a healthy heart that is um, dynamic, it's going to shift and change based on what is being asked of it. The same is true of our breath is that our our healthy breath is a dynamic breath. It's going to shift and change based on the needs in the moment. If I'm running, I Mm -hmm. have a different need for breath than if I'm sleeping or than if I'm making love or if I'm, you know, sitting at my computer working and, and there's a, there's a different need like if we if we look at it as our primary source of fuel our fundamental source of fuel and vitality for the body well there's a different need for input and output at that point based on what my energetic input and output is is that part of what you refer to as the intricate and intimate language of our breath yeah and and i mean and that that phrase for me in, in itself is just like wow that's like mm-hmm. medicine for my soul knowing that we can learn essentially everything that we need to know about ourselves or somebody by how we breathe and so uh, it is for me the this foundational and fundamental language of communication from our body to say okay you know, I'm noticing that I've got a really deep breath or a really shallow breath. Okay, like what, as a student of my body and as a, a student of my breath, what is that trying to communicate to me? And how is it asking me to show up to either co-create with it or to offer, you know, in, in breath work, we work a lot in the realm of complementary medicine. And so, you know, it, what is it illuminating a, a deficiency or an excess in something and, and, and then being able to work with the system, work with my body, work with my breath to create this, this state of, of balance and of harmony within my systems. For a beginner, where do they 
where do they meet all this stuff? You know, when you talk about being able to listen to and, and, and utilize, utilize that to see what's underneath, see what else might be happening. How does someone who's never done that, what's their point of entry to that? Yeah, well, and I mean, I, I guess we all get led to things in different ways, but I mean, this is, it's a life's work. It, it, mm-hmm. I mean, and as, <laughs> yeah. as we've spoken yeah. to, again, it's it's one of those things, the deeper we go, the deeper we, we are able to go. And so it just becomes more subtle over time. It becomes, it has a different quality to it. And so I feel like there, if somebody has a deep and strong relationship with their internal guidance system and, you know, with the communications from their body and, and working with those on the subtle level, then probably personal exploration is available for them. If that isn't yet within their realm and doesn't feel accessible, then this is where leaning into those that have developed their own version of a relationship with their breath personally or professionally can be such a a powerful place to start. I mean, I've learned so much from mentors and teachers and practitioners, you know, in a variety of different fields that were able to reflect to me things that maybe I could have got to on my own. Maybe I could have learned on my own, but it would have taken me a heck of a lot longer mm-hmm. and it would have been a heck of a lot more challenging of an experience. So I feel like a great place to start is to find whether it's a, a community or a particular practitioner, or like you said, there's books and things like that out there that really resonate and say, okay, wow, like this is sparking something within me because breath is for everyone. I really believe in that. And it just might, there's so many different flavors and there's so many different shades of how this body of work is, is presented. And so finding what is in resonance, you know, it's like we were talking about at the beginning of like where, what lands resonate with my soul. It's like, what lens resonates with my soul? Is it the scientific and, and really understanding the mechanics of the breath and, and the, the magnificence of the functioning of our human body? Or is it more through the energetic and spiritual realm, you know, Mm -hmm. or is it, you know, when we think about our breath pattern, it is mimicked in and and reflected and deeply connected to our life patterns. And so as we start to shift how we breathe, those corresponding life patterns are also going to shift, which deeply impact our relationships and how we interact with the world. And so there's all these different ways and filters through which we can explore this work. And it's just like, Wherever there's curiosity, wherever there's, you know, there's a fire there, I'd be like, follow that. And because it isn't, and you, you spoke to this, but it, it, there isn't a one size fits all. It isn't, if you breathe this way, this is going to be awesome for you. It's like, what is your intention? And then finding something or someone that, that matches that intention. And, you know, one intention isn't better or worse than another. They're just different. Mm-hmm. The integration piece that you talked on, um, touched on, excuse me, is something that we need to talk about. So hopefully we both remember. But before I, we go there, the, you know, it's like when you mentioned, and we talk, we're talking about the point of entry and whether it's a group. And I was thinking about this just recently because you and I were, were talking about how our last session 
um, which we haven't had yet, <laughs> um, will be in per- should should be in person, and uh, or at least you offered that as and and I was thinking about the interaction, like this definitely happened are on Zoom with you already, where I could feel your ability to hold space, and there was something energetic happening, and that was what was helping me shift or tap into things. And that's a, that's a compliment to you um, that you can create that energy even over Zoom, but in person or in a collective, which you've done a lot of both personally and you've held ceremony, if you will, or retreats, if you will, like for people to be together, there is something very powerful that happens when people come together, isn't there? And, and especially with breath, <laughs> but with healing. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I feel like there is no replacement for good old fashioned human connection. Mm -hmm. I mean, and yes, it happens in the online spaces and places for sure. We're, we're working in more subtle realms We're we're leaning into the energetics of things. And there is something so powerful about proximity about you know shared experience in that way and bring you know when we bring people together there is a unique alchemy that is formed in that group and as I hold a group I you know I always like to speak into the space that if this was changed by even one person and the entirety of the experience would be different because the fabric that is woven together would be different. If someone had come in a different state and it was the same people, again, the entirety of the experience would be different because the contributions, mm-hmm. you know, the vibrational, and the energetic contributions from each being would create a different dynamic among everybody. And so, I mean, there's just something that's so rich about, about that as well. And, you know, if we think about ourselves as, as relational beings, which we are, and our, our deep fundamental need for for connection, for touch, you know, we think about babies, they need to be touched, to, not not even to thrive, like literally to survive. And and so we don't lose that as as we as we go and you know, age through our lives and, and grow through our lives, we just start to deny ourselves those opportunities to, you know, whether it's to be held by others or to hold ourselves to a certain degree. I mean, I love to empower people that I work with to learn the art of, of self-facilitation and and being able to recognize, you know, their own self-touch and the quality of their tissues and the feedback from their body and things like that. That, yeah, there there is no like I don't know there's no replacement for that <laughs> it's really I when you said that I it just goes back to the blind spot about like you know breath is always there but we forget how powerful and, and we can forget how powerful it is and and even with touch it's like if you ever just find yourself just like gently stroking your arm your own arm it's like well I would go pay for a 200 dollar freaking massage in Vancouver <laughs> because I need one. So I need human touch. So desperately, hypothetically speaking, but then we don't realize that we also have that capacity in ourselves to show ourselves affection, you know, in a, in an intimate and, and healing way. 
uh, I don't mean sexually, I mean, intimate as in like the closeness and intimacy within our own selves. And we live so much of our lives outwardly, especially now that those just kind of bring us back, you know, and, and uh, speaking of the solo journey, and again, this probably ties into a point of entry in a way I saw on Instagram that for your birthday, you always do a ceremony with yourself where you go back to your first breath, which blew my fucking mind when I heard, when I like, I was like, Oh, that's crazy. Cool. Like, like I was, I was like, one, I want to do that. But two, I want to know where that came from and what that's like, because that I, I don't know where I had read this that tied into that, but it talks about, it has to do with firsts and laughs and the firsts and lasts. <laughs> can't even say it. Um, where the first thing we do is breathe in. And the last thing we do is breathe out in our life. It bookends our time, however we define it here. And to go back and, and visit it. So tell me about that, please. <laughs> if you can, <laughs> if you will, if you're willing to, if not, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It's such a, a special and a sacred thing for me. Birthdays have always been it's special and I never really could understand the depth of it. And in recent years, you know, it, it's the ability to connect with the portal, the choice to come earthside, the choice to take that first breath as you speak to. And there's, <clears throat> there's such power in being able to revisit the contracts that we've, we've made either with ourselves or, or you know, the, who we're here to be and, and just say, okay, how, connected to how in alignment am I with that in this moment and you know it's like in our our mainstream we've got what are they I don't even know what they're performance evaluations at like work and stuff right and they certainly have been at times yeah uh, you know, or, or I've had a few like, that didn't go well. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I, I, I can appreciate uh, that too. I don't even know what they're called, but quarterly reviews and things like that. And so, why, you know, uh, the concept of that I really like in terms of checking in and saying, okay, like, as as a point of reflection in my own journey, it, we often are able to see things so much clearly so much more clearly in hindsight to sit there and say, okay, how well is it that I've been living? How well is it that I've been loving? And, you know, this, instead of just continuing on as I've been continuing on, because we are creatures of patterns and habits, is there a redirect that I'd like to offer myself or a reconnection that I'd like to offer myself? Mm -hmm. And so as I started to explore these birthday portals in that way, and I was just like, wow, like, as a breath specialist, I was like, this is the day of my first breath. And that is something that like is just infinitely celebrated. I mean, every inhale is the choice to be here. And it was sparked by that initial inhale and that initial bold decision to say, okay, like I am transitioning earth side. And so for me, it just feels like the, the most the richest way and at the same time the simplest way that I can honor myself, my journey, 
you know, my soul's evolution by, by revisiting that point at the same time and just being in that energetic portal and seeing, okay, like what, how, how, what version of me is going to emerge this time? Uh, you know, that time isn't linear. And so this gets into a whole other realm of like, whoa, <laughs> but it's just like, okay, so, um, you know, in the multiverse, like, who am I emerging <laughs> as this first breath of this new year in, in myself? And so it just feels like something that has been so intimate and sacred for myself mm-hmm. and and being able to to honor and 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 bring aspects of all those versions of myself with me and and knowing also that there's going to continue to be an evolution of that um so no matter where in my no matter where in the world i am i will show up to the moment based on the time zone that i was born in wow. the, yeah the time and this idea that time is is an illusion is just keeps coming up, not something I've explored until recently. But it it comes it also comes back to these this weird relationship we have with labels and this idea that we have to be like time. There's a structure to how we are labeled in our lives. And what I hear in you is there's no structure. We are all the things that we are, and we can change whenever. Did I hear that correctly, or kind of correctly? If not, yeah. If- well, I mean, and that—that that is a beautiful way to speak to it, and I—and I agree with that. I think that you know, again, we get to define and assign meaning to things. You know, we think, okay, this—what does this mean? And it's like, wow, at the end of the day, with being a human with empowered choice, we get to decide what what that is, what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, where does your, you talk a lot about soul luxury and soul nourishment, and then that sort of, not sort of, leading into living a life on our own terms. Where does that, like, where does the breath and where does what we're talking about with just honoring all these different aspects of who, who we are, who we've been, who do we want to be with each passing breath? Does that tie into this or is that, is that another thing that you, you talk about and teach and mentor people on? Like this idea of soul luxury and or nourishment or one of the same. Yeah. I feel like it, it, it yeah, it, it comes down to, for me, how I would define if somebody were to ask what it felt like or what I could expect, like, you know, for myself or, or what is the essence of my relationship with my breath. And I I would say that it comes down to this experience of luxury for my soul. And so it offers me the richness, the availability of tapping into the richness of being human. And so it, you know, there is, teachings that were shared with me about this idea that souls wait a really long time to incarnate on earth. And I, I love a good old fashioned perspective shift. I love like our perspective expansion of like, whoa, like I can, 
I can try this on through this lens and see how it feels and resonates for me. And, you know, like anything in life, we take what resonates, we leave the rest and we form our own unique truths, which can be beautiful. And it can also be <laughs> challenging because it can create a lot of conflict and contrast in our world. You know, we're seeing this, you know, it's, uh, the, I don't know why this just dropped in, but like this old song, I remember actually it was a part of my soundtrack uh, through that initial trip in Thailand was David Usher's Devil by My Side. And there's a line in it that says, believe your truth is not my truth. God can exist with many faces at one time. And uh, yeah. David Usher. Yes. I know. <laughs> Holy I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit here, but <laughs> if you haven't heard of it, I highly encourage go give it a listen. He's It'll just about to blow up back on Spotify. You just made it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so this idea that if if it if it were true that souls waited a really long time to come on earth. To, to have the experience of coming to Earth. This is the most biodiverse and bioavailable planet that we know of. And in that, because we are so fully embodied on this realm and in, 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 in this way, that we have access to the full spectrum of essential experience. And so we can see and touch and taste and smell and, and feel and interact with, and, you know, just experience things to such a deep degree that there, there's no other place where we have that available to us. And for me, that just felt so mm. special. That felt like it, it brought it back to the gift and the privilege of being human. It's a, it's a, and, and to sit there and say that, like, what if this was all for us? What if this was uh, an experience, you know, a soul that was like, I want to know what it's like to feel like to feel the depth of my heart. And then our little human's like, cool, I can do that. And we're going to go into this experience, you know? And so then it was a way to, to tap into potential and possibility to receive the depth of the gift of this experience of being human, of loving the human that we've been given in a whole new way. Does that luxury, when you talk about tapping into the depths of heart and i've you know we've all had heart shattering breaking experiences where we physically like our heart hurts and we physically can't even imagine being any more in pain than our heart feels right now right often in, in love and in loss of love whether that's death or whether that's heartbreak with a breakup or an affair or something like that. And the human experience is, is encompassed in that. And luxury may seem uh, counterintuitive to that, but really I don't, I don't see it as that. And I, I guess I wonder if, if this is, you, know, you also talk about fruitful contrasts and challenges and the chaos around us being sort of good things to tap into, opportunities to tap into. Is that... <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm not I'm just like, I don't really ask questions. I just like throw stuff in the air and then uh, <laughs> hope you're there to alley-oop it or something. But, um, but I, I'm just curious when you say that, I guess you're not just talking about good experiences. You're talking about the full depth of human experience and, and learning to be and feel all of that. 
Yeah, well, and this is this is like living in or or feeling embodied in the fullness of the human spectrum of emotion of of life experience and really detaching from this uh, identification with what we label as good and bad, because not only are they relative, but you know it's who are we to to decide when it's like as we expand our ability to feel i mean in in the breath world there's many people that say that say this but it's not about feeling better it's about getting better at feeling everything mm. and so when we let go of our attachments of what something is meant to um you know, what the, a particular outcome that we've attached to that we want, that we are desiring to search for, and we surrender into and let ourselves be moved through the fullness and the entirety of that spectrum is actually when we're able to expand, because we aren't very well going to be able to hold these deeper levels of joy and bliss without being able to hold the complement to that, which can be those remarkably challenging valley, valleys, you know, of grief, of loss, of anger, of, of sadness. And so, you know, as we widen, we don't just widen one end of it, or we can become quite out of balance, or, you know, this is where we can start to see these elements of of bypassing of disembodiment of disconnection with the experience of being human but as we are our spectrum widens our capacity to feel our, our level of resilience to come back to our center after we feel then it's like okay wow i can hold this end of it and so the world will say all right so then she you know in my case she's also available to hold the other end of it mm-hmm. and so Although it, it is challenging, of course, for me, there, there is this, this curiosity around the beauty of, you know, and this is in my own personal experience of being like my, my body literally retching from, you know, sadness. And I, I didn't think that I could cry deeper. I didn't think that I could feel more pain and then as I allow the fullness of that expression, there is such a, a peace and reconciliation within my system mm. that I can't anything other than be like, wow, <laughs> like that, first of all, was a trip. And, and second of all, like there was something that reorganized within my system mm-hmm that has now created a level of space that I would have never had been able to tap into that, that never would have been made available had I not been able to process through, feel through and genuinely uh, resolve something that was taking up so much space within me. And so, you know, if I can let go of my mind's identification, well, this is good or bad, this is safe or unsafe to feel, this is, I, I want to stay high vibe, I don't want to go into, the, you know, I want to stay in the light, I don't want to go into the shadow. And if I can sit there and say, I actually just genuinely want to create more space 
in my system from a breath perspective, when we start to feel through those denser things that we've carried, whether we express them or not, they're impacting our system's function on a subtle level. This is kind of a tangent now, but it's like I'm able, as I, as I process through that and change the quality of what's been held in the tissues from a lower density to a higher frequency in, in the tissues, I create space for more life to rush in. And so on the other end of that, there is, yeah, there, there is more space for those things that I, I desire more of. I get that. I really appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's one of the best things I've heard in a long time. That was really good. It was really good. It, it, um, that was recorded, right? I don't know. what. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Okay. It is. It is. Uh, oh God, if this one breaks. Yeah. At least yeah. I got the benefit of it. Yeah. <laughs> but it made me think, and, and, I, and I do want to be respectful of your time and, and, and energy, but I just had a few more. Yeah, of course. Curiosity. I could jam on this all day. So. <laughs> well, uh, you had mentioned to me when we got around our second session, when we were talking about, well, one cold therapy as it relates to my first thought. And this, you know, you, you said it's not about getting better. Uh, it's about getting better at feeling everything. And one way that we're not so great at feeling everything is if we get negative about all the things that we don't want to feel or that are tough to feel or think about, et cetera. And, you know, generally speaking, I'm a positive person, but I also can. I can, I can rock pretty negative at the, you know, and get in, in woe is me and, and um, doomsday cycles and thought patterns. And you had mentioned to me on the cold therapy front where I had thought about it differently and you changed my perspective. I feel like this maybe these maybe connect where it's like, again, having a different first thought to what you said, where going into the shadow and freeing something gives us more space to have the things that we want and then the feelings that we want. So by changing, okay, this is serving me positively is changing the thought experience with that, um, that otherwise deemed negative emotion or uh, experience. And, and you had said that to me about cold therapy was I could use it to change my relationship as opposed to thinking the water is going to be cold as opposed to thinking like I have to fight against this. I could change that. And it was like a physical practice, but, but the result wasn't physical. It was in me. It was in my mind. Is that, did I remember that correctly? Or that's how I interpret it when you said it to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was along the lines of what we were, were exploring and speaking to this idea that when we, have something when our when our system is activated what is present in the system in that moment is imprinted and so when our system is activated and we have these the space or the availability to discharge that excess energy that's generated from the activated state are we don't have necessarily any long-term effects from the the thing that we've experienced a thing that's activated our system where we start to see 
the different holding patterns and different things that do impact us in the long term is when we've become activated from something that we've experienced physically, emotionally, you know, mentally, and we haven't in that moment discharged that excess energy, the energy gets stored in our system for processing at a later date. And so this is where breathwork goes in and it's like, this is the later date. <laughs> we are going to go in and we are going to process some of those things that we've stored in our body to, again, as we spoke to, create space. And, and, and with that, then create a more availability for flow of breath through the system. And so with cold therapy, we can, with that knowledge, we can actually use that. I don't like these lang this languaging, but it's what's coming through. Use that to our advantage to sit there and say, okay, we know that we are going to experience um, an activation of our system. And so in that moment, what we carry within our, and, and we were speaking specifically within our mental scape, is what becomes imprinted. And so our system is online and it's like, okay, now what's landed in is that it, what's been reinforced in that moment because what was whatever was present is going to be reinforced is that it's cold. This is impossible. Like this is going to be painful. Why am I doing this? I can't wait to get out. Um, and, and if we can then use that point to say, okay, I know that something's going to be imprinted in this moment in time and consciously choose what it is that I desire to imprint into my system. That's where we can use a practice like that to actually mm. uh, shift the, 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 but what can start to become over time dominant thought patterns and so you know this is wildly exhilarating I feel radiantly alive you know like wow what what an experience to to feel my body in this way and being able to sh like slowly over time shift the quality of of what we are experiencing now with that there's, it's a bit of a dance in based on the individual of saying, okay, if my dominant thought, you know, and, and in, for those who um, are in, in cold therapy and, and share that, what we'll hear a lot is that how we face the cold is how we face challenges in life. And so essentially what we're doing is we're reprogramming our system to have a different relationship with contrast and conflict in our life. And if, if we, we might have to work in progression with our shift in thought. So if we would normally show up and be like with so much resistance and be like, you know, no fucking way. Like I'm not doing this. And we're, we want to sit and we try and imp imprint a thought that's like, this is the best thing ever. There's going to be a, a disconnect in the system to be like, that, that's just no, no it's not no it's not this is definitely not <laughs> yeah 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 right and, and so if if instead of going from one extreme to the other can we can we just make a degree shift we would change the trajectory over time to sit there and say okay you know i feel radiantly alive like that can be true for my system and i can I can feel a resonance with that. So I can work with that. And then over time, it might be like, wow, this is, you know, the most exhilarating part of my day. Like, and we can work up to mm -hmm. what the, the, the quality and the flavor of the thoughts that are running through our system. That was so wonderfully described as well. Um, you have such a, you have such a, just, it's both beautiful, but it is helpful and simplistic and you can connect, at least for a layman like me, 
dots that were not connected in uh, about a certain thing. And, and so that, that was fantastic. And it may, it makes me think about, you know, Wim Hof breath, cold, cold therapy, pop culture guru, you know, not the inventor of cold therapy or Wim Hof breathing, Tumo breathing, etc. But I, as I understand it, they, the, the mainstream as well as or and or allopathic medical system accepts that he can do what he can do with cold therapy, but they do not accept that there is a scientific basis for it, right? There's, not, there's nothing provable in the scientific method other than, yes, that guy is doing what he's doing, or yes, all the, and all his followers and, and so on and so forth. So where I'm going with this, and it goes all the way back to the beginning or nearest the beginning of our conversation, where we talked about the disconnect and how the social work, uh, the social system, social work system in our society in Canada, and by and large, I mean, it's 107,000, they just reported it, I just read it today, 107,000 overdoses last year on opioid addiction in the United States alone, right? So that is in that is connected to it, right? There's something missing that's leading to that to happen. And you're talking about it and other people are talking about it. And there's best-selling books about it now, you know, in the last couple of years with James Nestor's uh, breath book, not, I think it's breath. I'm not sure if it's breathe or breath. And in, in, and then there's even somebody talking about how, you know, when actuality, it's okay to have more carbon dioxide in our body than we say, uh, or, or had, had normally been taught and that's created through just having extended exhales, you know, versus point being when uh, uh, one slight digression, our food chart is horrendously inaccurate, our Canadian food chart of healthy food, and yet it still exists, right? Is still taught. My daughter was literally taught the food, the, the completely archaic and irrelevant and outright dangerous food chart that we have in terms of healthy eating, true healthy eating. When does the work that you're doing and so many others that's having such positive effects, when does it transition? How, how does it transition into the, the other side of how our, our society is structured so that these things aren't like these little corners that we have to go find ourselves <laughs> Is that a fair question? Is that something you think you can speak to at all? Yeah, like in terms of how how do we bridge this more to the mainstream? And, and or is it bridging and I'm not aware of it to the mainstream? Yeah, well, and, and you, in my experience in watching the evolution even over the last several years is that I would say yes, by, you know, it, it to some degree it is. Um, I also exist in the breath world. So, I mean, I then therefore see it around me a lot more. And I, I think it is, I mean, we think that the, these are these emerging practices. And I mean, it, it is the most ancient practices that we are remembering, that we are reactivating within ourselves. And I, I, I truly believe that that's why there is such a powerful resonance and we see such powerful shifts when we work with uh, and, and step into a conscious relationship with our life force. And so 
I, I do see it happening. I, I remain hopeful that it is emerging in, in different ways. And I think a big piece of, of how that's going to continue to happen is that we continue to nurture and foster the, the different lenses through which this modality and, and other complementary modalities can be explored so that, you know, for, for someone that really wants and desires evidence-based information uh, to say, okay, well, this feels a bit too woo. This feels a bit too out there. I want, I want to know, uh, and I, I want the facts. I want the numbers. And so in the breath world, I am aware of some really beautiful research initiatives that are taking place. And so they're, they're gathering more of that evidence-based research and, and they're, they're taking people through studies and, and things like that to, to provide that level of information and that level of information to say, okay, well, this isn't just something that exists in the intangible. And, and I think that's really beautiful and important. And then there's also part of me that is like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to see the field go totally that way, like to be regulated, to be, to, to exist as one more system and body of work that has rules and, and parameters, because we are literally working with the breath is the bridge between our humanity and our divinity. And, and how do we regulate that? How do we sit there and say, okay, well, this is the right way to work with it. We, you know, how we would work, how I would need to work with the breath, especially initially is going to be so different than the next person. And so then how do we say that, you know, there is one way and it's like, can there be many ways and can, can it be the, and I mean, this is a whole other rabbit hole, but this is essentially why I, I, I love and, and live with such a deep reverence for the breath is that it, it reminds us of our innate power and the potential that we carry within and that can't be contained that can't be regulated that I mean it can be and we're seeing this happen in lots of different facets of the world um, and you know different kinds of professions and things like that but I think in order to best serve humanity with this information and to empower ourselves to truly step into our own life's journey is that there there's the the sovereignty the freedom the autonomy to to have our own version of our relationship with our body is part of the magic and the medicine of it. And so I don't, and, and you've planted a seed for me that I'll continue to chew on, you know, after our conversation is over of like, what is the best way to, to bring this information more mainstream. And I think it's truly a collaborative effort of saying, okay, like, Thank you for the people who carry the pillar of science so beautifully and who are, are stepping into the research aspect of things. Thank you to those who are carrying this, this wisdom, this ancient wisdom forth in ceremonial spaces and places. And, um, you know, thank you for those who are bridging and, and showing how this knowledge can be best implemented and, and utilized in the everyday 
versus saying, okay, there, there is one way with that. And in the same vein, there's like, I, I also believe that there is, this is powerful stuff. I mean, there is also the need because I mean the breathwork world is a bit like the wild west in terms of anything and everything goes and and there's beauty and challenge in that and so the, you know there are legitimate safety concerns about you know opening people's systems up beyond their capacity to integrate and you know we had put a pin in integration. Um, Oh, yes. and, <laughs> and there it is we came back to it um you know and and so i think it really comes back to pureness of intention and you know it's not really a body of work that we can in in full integrity and full safety step into and say okay i am doing this for someone or i am i'm teaching you know, it's really this this process of of leading someone home to themselves, and and not needing to have any claim over what that looks like, but being able to reentrust re I don't know if that's a word, but reentrust people with their responsibility over their own journey, and and also, yeah, like accountability over their their own journey you know and i mean that's putting that's putting the power back in the hands of the people which for our current systems and structures can be pretty scary <laughs> you know well, that- yeah i mean it's 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 really hits home because you know for one when you talk about i mentioned the 107,000 overdoses you will put your power in i i'm not against in the slightest the allopathic medical system and the pharmaceutical system you said it so eloquently when we hold space and we look at those doing good work, the betterment of humanity in all of these places, but you can't say that just because the FDA approved a drug, even though, and they let you know of the 150 potential side effects of it, that it's any less dangerous than the possibility of opening up into a breathwork ceremony that does have its own risks, like you said, and they're not listed by the FDA, but you know, but we're willing to step into one, but the other is like a big no-no. And and to your last point about accountability, you know, I thought that was the I thought that was one of many missing threads during the pandemic, which was a health pandemic, which was okay, what are you accountable for? There's an there's a virus that attacks the lungs. Here, you know, and in future future situations of similar nature where the leaders of our world say we're going to create this medicine and there's these treatments but also how are you eating how are you exercising are you working with your breathwork practitioner or your how is your your internal house in order are you really stressed this is a good time to de-stress like to look at these other components and holistically incorporate them in the narrative, even if some remain in our own accountability to take care of, instead of outsourcing that accountability to somebody else solely, you know, with a handful of modalities to, to treat it. And so that's, that's a future I would hope for. And I think, again, you were bang on in saying, but some of it needs to, it, it can't be controlled. 
and it jarred up, you know, when I think about all like the Navy SEAL mentality of like control the breath, control the mind. It's like, okay, that is, there's a, there's a big element of truth in that, but there's also an uncontrollable element to that has a life of its own in all of it. And that's the biggest curiosity that you're stepping into. All that to say, because I've kept you much longer than I said um, I would. And I've really, 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 really enjoyed it. I will we'll end on the integration. It's like, which is, this is just a atrocious segue, my notorious atrocious segues. But if they've stepped into this and they've stepped into the breath work and it's led them to some sort of a beautiful realization and, and, but, and they had a great experience, let's say with you, like I did, and there's a halo of 24, 48, 72, more, you know, time hours afterwards where you just feel really great because of the energy exchange between you and the worker and, and the things that you felt. But then the integration afterwards of taking what happened, bringing it into your life. Can that be where we close on? Is that something you can share with everyone? Yeah, you betcha. And, you know, it just to speak to the the thread before of coming into reconciliation with our relationship with the unknown. And I mean, as you step into a conscious relationship with breath or many things in the personal development world, we are walking up along our own precipice of our version of the unknown and the courage and the bravery that it, it takes to continue to show up to that. And I feel like there is, this is where integration is key. And, and this is what takes it from an experience of a moment in time to giving it meaning throughout our life's journey. It takes it outside of you know, the session, the ceremony, the journey, and into the ceremony, which is life. You know, we, we do these practices. We, we show up to whatever our version is of um, evolution and growth to, to be able to impact. Well, I guess everybody's intention is different, so I can't speak to that. But, you know, the, the, perhaps one of the common threads is to, to, to continue to meet ourselves in a, in a, at the depth of the homecoming, right? The returning home to ourselves and unbecoming that which we've packed on. And so why I love and find integration so powerful and important is as we emerge from these deeply transformational experiences, so whether it's breath work or plant medicine or even just a, a, a really impactful therapy session or, or, you know, even movement session, like those kinds of things that just like, wow, like I feel different is we, we come into this, the space of the unknown. And so on a, a physiological level, but an energetic and, you know, all mental, emotional level, we've begun to detach from where we were. And we're not yet where we're going. And so we're in the space between. Um, another great song, Dave Matthews, Space Between would be like a great, like if we had a soundtrack for our podcast, this would, that would be like playing. About, right about that time too, the David Usher, David yeah, Matthews. Yeah, right? Not far, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. It might have been a bit later, right? That might yeah. Have been- yeah. 
the hit um, I mean, not him personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but coming into this this space between where I feel like sometimes we forget to exercise that element of empowered choice that we have as humans, the free will that we have. And so we stand between the familiarity of what's been and the, essentially the ease of the system to be able to go and, and reinteract with what's been because it is, it is what's known. And the unfamiliarity the, of the unknown and being able to hold ourselves through that period enough to, to nudge, to, to take that step, that leap over the edge into and, and towards the direction, calibrating towards where it is that I'm now going. And so that's where the time and the spaciousness and, and the extra attention and care and, and you know, the simplicity of practices. I mean, there, there's a, a list of them that are beautiful as as integrative support for breathwork that can hold us through that that period where we've we've re-resourced. We've got the strength within our system to take that step, that bold step forward, versus to lean back into uh, you know where we've been. Now, an interesting thing, because as humans, we don't move backwards, we can't unknow what we've known, we can't unexperience what we've experienced is that we don't genuinely move backwards, we don't go backwards. So that's where we can start to feel a degree of, of disconnect, a degree of like, I, I just feel unsettled now, because I've leaned back into what is familiar, but I'm changed. And so now there's my frequency is different. So what I was previously in relationship with potentially carries the same frequency, but now I'm contributing a different frequency to it. So it's impacting how I can be in relationship with that, you know, whether it's a person, place or thing and, and, and the dynamic has shifted, but I may not consciously know why. And so that's where we can start to feel, um, mm-hmm. you know, quite destabilized after, because it's like, this isn't, this isn't me. This isn't where I'm, I'm meant to be this. And the, you know, when presented with the options, the alternatives, you know, there's, it does take a large degree of courage to hold ourselves through until that the point where we, we can fully land on the other side. And so the explanation of integration has never come out that way. So I, I, I hope that landed. No, it did. It did. It absolutely did. I, the, 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 the period of time between the two that you mentioned can be long. Sometimes it's quick, but yeah. it also can be long. And I think that there's an accidental bias towards impatience because we're in a society that drives that where it's like, okay, I did the breath work with Carmen and this thing better be done like healed in three months. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause that anything longer is an inconvenience. And it's like, it's not an inconvenience. It's just what it is. It's a process. Yeah. But, yeah. And I think that the thing, the, the most important thing to take away there is also is, or one of them, sorry, not the most is, is that it is work and intention has to be included into the integration and the expectation that when the ground is destabilized, you know, it's like when you move a tree, the tree has root systems and you move it and you replant it, 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 will, it will regrow mostly, 
but it's going to be a little angry for a while. It's going to be a little unsettled. And that's what integration is like, even if you've had a really great healing or session or ceremony. Yeah, because it's now re- reorienting to the world around us and and coming in, reintroducing ourselves essentially mm-hmm. and saying like, okay, wow, like now I, I'm meeting myself for the first time, and all of these other mm-hmm. things are meeting me uh, in a new way as well. And it, it isn't time based, and and that's the challenging thing again of being able to rest in the unknown to sit there and say, okay, well, like you're going to have a 24 hour period or you're going to have a three week period, and it's like, it's going to be different. Every journey is different. Every experience is different. The older, the, the energy, the denser, the energy, the, the longer, if we were to look at things from a time-based perspective, the longer that it can take to, to transmute that energy and, and the longer we may need to hold ourselves in that space for the world to be like, are you sure that you're, you know, you're, you're really allowing yourself to be changed in that. And I think that, part of the beauty of breath work is not only does it over time expand our capacity to feel things and widen our relationship with that spectrum of being human or of the felt sense experience of emotion, but it also strengthens our resiliency. So our ability to come back to our center when we've been rocked from it. And so again, we're restoring that that healthy balance, that optimal functioning between the the branches of our system, between between the aspects of ourself, of who we've been and, and where we're going to land in the moment. And so over time as we as we you know commit and devote ourselves to whatever our relationship uh, or whatever practice we have a relationship with, but in this case breathwork specifically, is we will notice that our integrative time may, you know, it will lessen. Like I remember in the beginning, I would do a breathwork, uh, you know, go on a breathwork journey and I would be at a commission for, for, for days and weeks and I'd be like, <laughs> what the heck just happened? Like, I don't know how to now show up and reinteract with this world. And, you know, and, and then over time it was like, oh, okay, right. Like, this is this is a moment of time it will pass and i can hold myself through so mm-hmm. it it will shift and change over time too yeah. you know yeah that's of- very true that's a very very good point the first the first go around it did exactly to your point um the gentleman i mentioned earlier the, the uh practitioner of chinese medicine and a whole bunch of other stuff he he always used to tell me it, it could take as long to wade out of the water as it did to wade in <laughs> It can, but it doesn't have to, right? Yeah. Like you said, that can change. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just again, I'm so grateful for your time, and I'm I'm grateful for our fortuitous connection at a birthday party all those years ago, and just the <laughs> enough because you were always in my mind. Interestingly enough, like uh, we talked about when we first met, it was like once a year. Or twice a year, I would I would have this. I need to talk to her, and then I wouldn't do it. And then talk about time being. We don't have to go down the rabbit hole, but when when we connected, you're like, it's around that exact same time that we first met. That you're reaching. It was actually like reached, within days. And yeah, I was like, was oh, wild. like blowing, like my mind blowing again, right? Um, but I'm so grateful that I did, and that we've we've reconnected in a bigger way, and, and you've been so supportive to me and uh, to my family because you've also worked with my wife. 
uh, we're going to do some work with one of my daughters and uh, where, where do, if you want people to connect with you um, to, to get in touch with your teachings or, or others, how can they do that? Where do they do that? Do you want them to do that? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I mean, definitely yes. I mean, I I love connecting. You know, human connection lights my soul, and so absolutely, the best way is probably via my website or social media. Just reaching out, sending me a message, and. I like to, you know, if I've got the availability to connect and, and chat and I, I'm happy to, to share in, in different ways. So CarmenGan.com is my website um, on Facebook and Instagram as at CarmenGan. And yeah, just shoot me a message and I'm, I'm always happy to jam on the breath and I'm always also really happy to refer people on I know a lot of beautiful practitioners and spaces and places. And so again, in the spirit of, of breath can be for everyone. It's just a matter of finding the, that, that lens or, or that pathway that feels in resonance. And so my, my, my wish and, and my hope with this work is that, you know, I, as people, meet themselves in a deeper relationship with their own breath is that they fall in love with the magic that they are. And so however they need to get there is, is none of my business, uh, but just being able to, to come back into that space of wonder and awe, and, you know, just moving through the world, like, wow, <laughs> for better or for worse, it's just like, wow. So yeah, that would be the best right now. We've, I've, taking a wait list for personal mentorship and uh, breathwork facilitator training. I snuck in just at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for, for that yellow light that took you to Thailand. <laughs> and thank you for being curious and thank you for trying to find a way in which you could help make the world a better place for all that you do. And also for coming on the ramble. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. It's been such an honor to to know you, to connect with you. And I mean, the these conversations just light me up and it it reconnects me with I'm, this this space of, of wonder, of awe. And so thank you for that. <laughs> so, it's never a bad thing to ramble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, be well. Enjoy Squamish. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. You know, there is a lot of podcasts out there, so we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you and make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others and all that great stuff. So if the spirit does move you, subscribe, share, post, anything. We'd be forever grateful. And if you have any comments or feedback, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. We're here to listen. Guests you think we should have on. Of course, send them along. Thank you. And until next time, peace. Hey, thanks so much for making it to the end of the podcast. I know that my 
myself and of course my guests really appreciate you listening all the way through you know, they put a lot of time into their projects and their ideas and and you know, they're very thoughtful with how they they bring themselves and show up on the show and so i'm really grateful that uh, that you've listened all the way through you know we don't have ads on the show i think i don't think red circles running ads but i wanted to take just a quick second to say that hey if the spirit moves you you know this podcast can be brought to you by some of the wild fun wacky creative things i do i always try and stay in the practice of creativity whether that's writing or working on films or uh just about anything i I try and be very diligent that i'm i'm doing it consistently and so you know as a result of that i put some things out and and i'd love for you to check them out one is uh Getting Naked, The Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship and Startups. That's my book, and you can get it anywhere where books are sold online, like Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or Indigo. And uh, it's the story of my company, Naked Underwear, the first company I started that went from a failed attempt on Dragon's Den, um, that's your Shark Tank in America, to the NASDAQ and was eventually divested. And it has a ton of tips and ideas for startups, very practical advice, but it's always also interwoven with my own story, which I think entrepreneurs and creatives and artists can really, uh, would really relate to, uh, you know, has almost 155 ish star, four and a half star reviews. And I think people, if you're going through, you know, a startup needs some motivation, needs some ideas, just want to feel like, Hey, there's a kindred spirit out there. You know, it's a great book to check out. Also, you can check out my blog at joelprimus.com forward slash blog, where I write a couple of blogs a month about a variety of topics, a lot of stuff on fitness, things like how to know when to quit, a lot of personal development, psychedelics, all kinds of things. Everything's written from a personal lens. And, uh, you know, it's just a great way to digest a little bit of hopefully fun and helpful inspiration. And of course, keep checking out this podcast, The Ramble on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever your podcatcher of choice is. Thanks again and have an awesome day, week, month, whatever it is.